Hello and welcome to Five Quadrant, the new movie business podcast from Father Son Productions. I'm Tom Noblock. And I'm Chris Vega. And this is a brand new show. And that's it weird. Is. Yeah. It's, it's weird to have it. It's a new not show. a first. I was going to say it's a first. It's the first new show it's, yeah. that we've done this year. But, yeah. Because we, we did a year and a half of vegetable lasagna. We're just coming off of uh, radio lasagna. Radio lasagna is, is over. It's at least on hiatus. It might come back at some point. Yeah. No guarantees. But, just for fun. And this is kind of like the prologue to this new show. Five Quadrant, which is going to be talking about movie business, trends in the movie business, because I don't think there really is a good movie business show right now. No, not really. It kind of just gets worked into like a small blur. And it's another, you know, yeah, and shows. actually the best one that I ever found was the Rope of Silicon podcast, which was hosted by Brad Hervet, who got bought out by uh, Box Office Mojo, oh. and he, you know, he took... Rope of silicon behind the farm one day and shot it in the head oh, and it's man. no more. Jeez. Yeah, but that was the best one. And so we're here to fill that void. All right. Are you ready? I think I'm ready, yeah. <laughs> we got a, we got a lot of things we're gonna talk about. Chris is gonna go through the box office numbers this week and every week. Oh yeah. We've got some other things that we're gonna go through. But first off, uh, I'm gonna start with a little bit of a story uh, that starts with a little bit of news from the last week. So Okay. Might have been a week and a half ago now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well first off, Edward Albee died. That's where I want to inform me who is Edward Albee. Edward Albee was okay. is one of the best American playwrights. Ever. I did hear about this. Okay, this how, how did you hear about it? I, I, I started listening to NPR. You know, okay. <laughs> this is how I heard this. I've heard this like you know every day. I just I, I guess the name had stuff for every day. Reason, you know? But yeah, I, I guess I've never seen the plays or read. The, no, but you know, I've never seen the movies. My my biggest my only like personal Edward Albee story that I have is when when we were casting our movie adaptation, we went to see. The play that Megan Friend was in at the That's time. That's right, yeah. The actress Megan Friend. And she was playing one of four roles in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at the local playhouse. And so we went down to go see it. It was Ben and I. We went down to go see Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And before that, it was we actually were at the preview screening. So it was the night before opening night. And Megan had heard in some circles, it was never confirmed or denied, <laughs> that Edward Albee actually was coming to that one. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, he was going to be there. I, I always get the word wrong. What's the word? The The... Performance. No, I want to say. <laughs> I want to say screening every screening. single time. Oh, okay, I can't get movie terminology out of my head. So, we were under the impression that there's a possibility that Ben and I are sitting there, and Edward Albee is in the audience. Yeah. You could be behind him in the concession line or something. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we're looking around, and Edward Albee has kind of he had kind of a long face, gray hair, and a mustache. He's an old man. There were about 12 of them. Oh, no. So he brought some body doubles to throw people off. You know? Yeah, so, it's like, so we're looking around. The whole, I mean, the whole play, we're kind of like, we're looking, we're like, which one of them looks like he knows what's coming next? Which, which yeah. one of them's laughing? He which doesn't one? look surprised. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, it's like he's either really loving it because it's exactly how he wrote it, or he hates it. Maybe it's that guy because he's not being used at all. You snap pictures of all of them just, you know, so you can, you know, so, yeah, we, we very well could have seen Edward okay. Albee, but there were about 12 people that could have been Edward Albee there. You should just give yourself the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah. I think every time, just say, you saw him there. I don't know which one he was, but I think he was there. Yeah. Well, but where I'm kind of going with that, though, is I think that probably at most plays you go to, not in, like, Broadway, you could probably find a lot of Edward Albee lookalikes. Yeah, probably. I think that's like, just, that's the demographic. They're old, old people go to plays, right? Especially in, like, Omaha. Well, you that's what, yeah. I, I mean, um, we kind of have, like, a small youth theater scene, but, I mean, it's not, like, you know. For the classic kind yeah. of stuff, though? I mean, yeah, are, yeah, it's going to be the older people. And... I don't know what exactly it is about plays because I think that they're more they're more uh, focused on that sort of 
it's like an adult drama kind of mm-hmm. genre that you don't see a lot of. And I don't know what exactly makes that skew so old mm-hmm. versus like, why, why don't we go to plays? Why don't people you know, who are younger go to plays more often? I mean, because I don't really know very many people who do. I don't know. Besides, like those, there's always those few, like you know, people who are in theater class and whatnot in high school, and they're probably still into all that. Outside of, I don't really, you know, I don't talk to them very much. So I guess I don't, I don't really know anyone (laughs) who goes to plays very often either. People we may have come across in the past have gone to plays, but I think, uh, I think that the the trend though that I'm talking about, I think it's indicative of movies at the same time Mm -hmm. now as well, because the type of movies that kind of have the audience, well, basically, there are a lot of movies that old people go to that no one else really goes to. Yes. One of them is on my list. One of them? Which, yeah. <laughs> I saw one of them, which is kind of... Is it probably the one that you, I'm going to yeah. say? Yeah, okay. And so, kind of where I guess I'm going with that is I went to see the movie The Light Between Oceans. Oh, I think this was like a week and a half yeah. ago. And I went by myself, and there, I was <laughs> surrounded, though, by old women. <laughs> No Edward Albee. <laughs> it's like, uh, but maybe Edward Albee went to that French film, that film streams. It was just like old women in like windbreakers, and they're all like shuffling well, around really loudly. I think my favorite thing about that is it's a bunch of old women, and then you and Will cracking lesbian jokes <laughs> yeah, well, a little too loud every couple minutes. It, you know, <laughs> I feel like our, our it was an interesting our, dichotomy. Uh, our jumping to conclusions was justified in a lot of the situations that were presented. So I, you know, you can't really. But that that's exactly the kind of movie that you don't, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to yeah. see. You're not going to see a lot of young people go to a movie like. That. No, what, why is that? They don't even know what it is. That's yeah, probably what it is. I mean, well, you, you knew what the light between oceans was, though, because you, you made a little. I think I saw. I think I saw like a trailer for it, and, like, and it turned it looked off. pretty corny. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you know, why are we against corny now when we celebrate it? If it wasn't wearing, the kind of corny I like. You what know? kind of corny do you like? I don't know. I like I like my cheesy comedies and whatnot, but not like cheesy a, comedies. Okay. Well, isn't it light between oceans? It's like a romantic, like not like romantic comedy, but I mean, it's like it's like it's, just like, <laughs> it's an adult it's, drama. I would say. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not. I think they they advertised it. Emphasizing the love angle, okay. but that's really it looked, it looked that's like, like, like the, the first love third. story movie. There's a love story in it. Well, I mean, yeah. a lot, there's a love story in a lot of movies, but still, you know. I guess where I'm confused though is why is corny okay if it's a muscular guy in tights fighting people, but it's not okay if people are like getting married or stealing a baby. It's what happens in that movie. I mean, you know, it's it's normal. Like, that's just what people do. We don't that, like normal. Is yeah, that people get right. married and have children. Sometimes that's not necessarily what you want to watch in a movie. In that movie, they steal I mean, a baby, though. Oh, I didn't know that. See, that's it's, more interesting. It's now. like the serious Raising see, Arizona. I didn't, I didn't see that part like in the trailer. So I mean, if I had known that, I'd be a little more interested. It's like if Raising Arizona was a 70s drama directed sounds, by David Lean. I watched Raising yeah. Arizona again recently. It's a great movie. It, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. And that, I mean, that's a corny in like a, the Coen Brothers kind of way, though. Where yeah. They've got, the, they've got a, a handle on it. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna, I think we're gonna dive into what I think is part of the narrative of why those movies don't really get made anymore. Okay, and I think they do, but they just don't. Not, for, not as much as they used to. You think even ten years ago, and mm-hmm. part of that is the fall of a couple studios. And I don't want to okay. get too far ahead of ourselves because right, I'm going to tell that story in uh, our third segment today. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, third you're going to go through third quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the quadrants. Yeah, we can go through the quadrants. This has been so, quadrant one. This is going to be yeah. <laughs> And so, welcome to Quad One. We're going to go to our first break. When we come back, Chris is going to run through box office, and we're going to run through oh, some yeah. notable movie business headlines from the week. And I don't. I, I guess I hadn't considered what do we say right before we go to a break like that because we've never had a break. See like you that. on the other side. <laughs> See you on the other side. Today's show is brought to you by the Movies and Stuff YouTube channel, run by movie lovers Dan and Abe, who chat about the films they love and are often joined by actors, writers, and other people involved in making those movies. 
They've got a couple of recent interviews with people like Andrew Kevin Walker, Robert Engels, and Nicholas Winding Refn. You can check their live streams, interviews, reviews, roundtables, and panel debates every week by heading over to youtube.com slash movies and stuff. Subscribe today. All right, quad two. What do we got? All right, number one in the box office right now is Magnificent Seven. And what? Well, this is the weekend of oh yeah, September twenty third through the twenty fifth. Okay, yeah. Just I, 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 I didn't even think to include that. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm, we're still I figured figured out assume, rules here. I just figured they'd assume it would be up until this day. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Yeah. But you know, this, this dates our show more than anything else. Probably it does. Yeah. So, just for those of you, if you're listening to this a year from now. You know, you might want to know <laughs> what day it was. Don't know exactly what number one was. You don't, yeah, you don't remember, and you want to know. Like you're you're listening to it a year from now. You're like, okay, well, on September 25th, here's, here's what the estimates were. Magnificent Seven was at 35 million apparently. Which 35 million? And do you have any idea what the what the uh, budget was on that? I think it was, I didn't see. It. I think it was like 100 million. It seems like one of those. Was it 100? See, that's huge for uh, a western. I think. But it's a, it's a it's a big new western though. You know what I mean? It's one of those. It's like they took Django and Chain. I think Django was around thirty million, wasn't it? Or forty million, maybe when it opened. Probably. Oh, 90 million. That was close. Ninety okay. million for the that's, Magnificent Seven, though. Yeah. Is that that's normal action movie budget nowadays? I think, isn't it? Like that's like what was for a western, for a Roman epic such as Ben Hur, hundred million. I mean, you know, that's that's. Those are bad business decisions, though. They are, but I, I mean, think you're right about Django and Chain, though, because you bring in Denzel Washington. Hey, that had a bigger budget. Django, yeah. Well, that, you got. Uh, I had no idea. You have. It's not so much Jamie Foxx bringing in the money there. It's just Tarantino yeah. and Leonardo DiCaprio. Who's the, guy, who's the guy in Magnificent Seven? Who's uh? It's not Jamie Foxx, is it? It's, it's Denzel Washington. It's Denzel. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And so okay, so Django opened with thirty million. So this is actually above Django, but it's PG thirteen, whereas Django was R. Is <laughs> my understanding. Which is interesting. Don't they tell you it's the opposite? Where usually the R rated movies don't make as much as the PG thirteen. Did don't. I say that the wrong way? Django was R. Magnificent Seven was PG thirteen. No, but still, didn't Django? You said. No, Django, oh, Django was thirty million. Sorry, Django made Peter. five million less in its no, opening weekend, but it, it, it I probably flubbed there. It ended up huge. It got four hundred twenty-five million worldwide. That, I, was, that was that was popular though. I think I got popular yeah. quick. I, I guarantee you that the Magnificent Seven is not going to be no. that big. And it seems like people didn't really care <laughs> that much. It was kind of just one of those. Eh. Yeah, thirty-five million for a ninety million dollar movie just doesn't seem like it's that great. And the general formula you have if you want to see if a movie really made any money is you take the budget or you take the the box up, or God, I can't remember now. <laughs> take the budget office. You take the budget office and you <laughs> box it. <laughs> no, you take two point five times what they spent. If it made more than that, then basically it's hard to argue that it lost money. Okay, because that's because that doesn't include all the money they spent on it, right? Yeah, like say for Django Unchanged, Unchanged, <laughs> Django before he changed uh, is bef- so the hundred million dollar budget that they have on Box Office Mojo is not going to count. Uh, prints and advertising, okay. so that's usually going to be more, probably around fifty million more, Jeez. honestly. So, for for Django, if if we're just looking at a hundred million, if it made over two hundred and fifty million, you could mm-hmm. probably say it's hard to argue it didn't make money at that point. It okay. made four hundred twenty-five, so yeah, pretty yeah, successful. That's, that's a lot. Ninety million for Magnificent Seven. I don't know. That doesn't yeah. seem that likely uh, no. to make money. And it, I I didn't see it. Did you? No, I don't really plan on seeing it either, I guess. No, it just, it just doesn't look that... It looked boring. Yeah. That's the kind of movie, when it, if it's on TNT someday, and you're not doing anything, you might leave it on. And then, like, a commercial break comes, you change the channel, and you forget about yeah. it. Yeah, oh, or yeah, you go back maybe a little later, yeah. and you see the ending. And you but, still know what's going on, because nothing's happening. But I guess Magnificent Seven is so done to death 
Yeah, we've Maybe. seen so many of these Seven Samurai makers <laughs> and Seven Things. I think after sitting through all of Seven Samurai, I never wanted to see another uh, version of that story. And I like Seven Samurai. Yeah, but, but once you see it, you know four it. hours is enough yeah, of it for me. <laughs> I'm good. And, uh, Magnificent Seven isn't four hours, so I, mean, I don't see how it. That's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they do the same setup with knocking the guys out though, when they walk <laughs> that's, into the that's building. That's our favorite part. <laughs> right. That's the part we always mention. Yeah. Okay, so what's number two? Number two is Storks. Storks animated film. Yeah, I didn't see anything for it. I don't know. I saw like a commercial or two on TV. It did look like normal kids standard fare. Pretty much. It's about storks who bring babies, but they don't bring babies anymore. I guess they're out of that job now, and then someone actually pushes the button to make another baby. Wait. So what do they do? They have to figure out a way to deliver it. But they aren't used to that. They haven't done that in a long time. I guess. So it's like. Well, that's not quite what I was expecting. Yeah. No. I was like, huh, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's directed by Nicholas Stoller, who. Who's that? He he made um, I feel like oh he had Neighbors two out this year. Really, that's weird. He yeah, that's a it's a weird. Oh, he doesn't even come up on spelling the name wrong. Uh, <clears throat> that is a twenty one million. That is twenty one million. He's kind of I'm gonna bring up his thing here so you can see Nick Stoller's how he's going. Uh, so he first directed Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Weird. Which oh and get him to the Greek. Get right? him to the Greek were his two ones. Huh. Uh, his big one. then five year engagement. So. Actually, he made five R-rated comedies in a row. Huh. Um, yeah, look, he switched studios, too, so that might have been, yeah. It was a different studio. Yeah, he made Universal for all, all, all the R-rated ones, but <laughs> then he goes over to, yeah. I mean, so I don't know. I don't know what the story is exactly for this one, but I do know he's coming off of the, the difference in the Neighbors movies is really kind of interesting to watch. It's more interesting probably to me than Storks unless we mm-hmm. see some crazy traction I didn't, here. I didn't watch the second one. No one did. No one. Okay. Domestic yeah. gross on neighbors number one was 150 wow. million. Number two was 55 million. Huh. Worldwide, uh, we're looking at 270 million for neighbors one, 107 million for neighbors two. Jeez. And people, yeah, people just shrugged it <laughs> off. They did not care. So he's probably uh, it's probably something he's happy about that he's got this kids movie to fall back on because I feel Easy like money, you know, yeah, I it's. They don't always make a ton of money, but you can probably count on a certain number of uh, a certain amount of money. What really mm-hmm. blows my mind uh, is so Sausage Party. They claim that they only spent nineteen million dollars to make that, and usually when you look at these, didn't uh, the uh, didn't like the animation people get screwed over though? I thought I heard something about that. You have to you have to find that. Yeah, we'll so we'll figure that out. I'm surprised you didn't hear about that. I figured that'd be something you'd done. I remember, yeah, I remember no, I didn't hear something about being, that. Like screwed out of like overtime pay or something like that. Like, For nineteen million, there was yeah, some big I mean, drama about their pay, and I didn't. I don't know. I didn't. You rarely movie. see an animated movie not for like a hundred million dollars. Oh, Storks yeah. is seventy million, so that's probably in that sweet range where they'll make enough. They've already made forty million worldwide <laughs> off of that, so they're probably okay. Kids movies, yeah, yeah. they always kind of make something. It's kind of, <laughs> that's, like, that's like the motto for yeah. for when you, when you try to think of if you want in your career to have a kids movie out. Kids well, movies, well, yeah, no, they always make like something. The kids don't care. They see the commercial and like I want to see that. You know, and, like, even if it doesn't look good, they're still going to see it. So you get two immediate sales from the kid and the parent, like right off the bat. And, and that's assuming that both parents don't care. Yeah, right. or both kids. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If there's even one if kid. there's yeah, yeah. so <laughs> let's not assume that the one <laughs> kid has taste. But no, yeah, that's just easy, you know, easy <laughs> money maker. Number three, Sully. Got so, that uh, thirteen million dollars cash coming in. That, that's made a ton by now, hasn't it? it? Probably did. Yeah, Tom Hanks always sells a lot. He's a he's a big seller. Except Cloud Atlas. No, okay. I don't think that was his fault, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so Sully uh, had a sixty million dollar budget, made one hundred twenty six million worldwide so far, ninety two domestic. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's all right, yeah. For 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 a movie that's basically just a, a real life remake of a very slow a flight crash. Yeah, well, yeah. Did you ever see the movie Flight? 
No, uh, but it can? seems like the same thing. Yeah, essentially. it seems like this is the the true life version of Flight when Flight seemed like it could have been a true story anyway. Yeah, I kind of liked Flight. Flight was good. I think it does a lot ending. of movies about people like flying planes into the ground or into the oceans, into the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in Flight, he, he lands it on the ground, but he flies it upside down. Yeah, I saw that. Things. That was pretty cool. Uh, Sully, I just don't see any reason to... See. It just seems like a boring Clint Eastwood kind of like, yeah, here's another movie to make. Yeah. I'm making a movie. Here we go. Don't Let's forget. do it again. It seems like... I don't know. Some, some of these movies that come out, and this is probably uh, sort of antithetical to my whole idea for what the theme of today's show is going to be, but <laughs> it's kind of an adult drama, but it feels like a, you're showing up to work on Monday morning and you're like, yeah, okay, what do we have to do today? Time to go see Sully. <laughs> well, yeah, like, Let's make Sully, I yeah. guess, because it's a true story thing and it's kind of cool. Time to fly the plane again, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I'm just I'm completely uh, ambivalent on all these top three. I just don't yeah, really care about any of them. Neither of them really caught my eye at all. Uh, Bridget Jones's Baby is number four with four million dollars. Look to you, you know. Four million seems low for that. Really? I the trailer didn't seem very appealing. Like it was all, like a lot of the jokes. I feel just kind of you know fell flat. But if it looks like it if looks Magnificent like, Seven gets thirty five million <laughs> just for existing and having a little bit of action, shouldn't Bridget Jones's Baby get that romantic comedy? I don't just know. like, well, it exists. It looks like I don't know. It just looks like a generic, you know, romantic. Comedy yeah. <laughs> what have we gone through so far? I mean, yeah, none of them have been. I don't know. They're all yeah, just that generic, generic thing. Generic, I guess. Yeah. It's weird Number to me that Bridget Jones is that far down from all the other ones. I guess. Really, that's higher than I would have expected. <laughs> like, I mean, I would I'm top ten, sure, but I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Snowden's got number five nailed down with four point or yeah no four point four million as well. Sorry. Oh, they're both they're both at they're, yeah. I think right I think Bridget, I Jones, I think Bridget Jones was like four forty four point one. I forgot to. So Snowden, I just Snowden is an annoying guy. I think in in real life. Uh, now he's uh, he's what's his name? I can't remember his name. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, he's Robin. Yeah, he's Robin now. Well, have you seen the, in the trailer for Snowden? Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is actually he's he's emulating. Edward Snowden's annoying voice, even. Oh, it's funny. And it really, like, he looks like Snowden, and he sounds just like Snowden. But Snowden is not that appealing, I don't think. I, I sat through all of Citizen Four, and the main thing I, I got out of it was... Did you watch any of it? <laughs> no. He's just, just an know. annoying guy. I, think. No. I mean, I get... I understand the argument that people have that he did something noble. You just think he's annoying. But I think he's an annoying <laughs> just, person. I don't have yeah, to he, enjoy he ta- watching him talk. Like really uppity. Like, I yeah. Know, I've heard some of like, his little video broadcast things that he does in real time or whatever, his little interviews... The funniest thing about that documentary, because most of it was actually shot while he was in hiding in a Chinese hotel. That's fun. As the whole thing was blowing up, okay. he invited this documentarian to come over, and so like when he's talking oh, like, to the guardian, exactly, yeah. So okay. that was cool just to kind of know here's actually what was going on. Yeah. But he's an annoying guy, and the funniest thing, yeah, you're right. He's totally uppity about all these things. When they show him not, you know, giving scoops to people. He's, he's reading young adult books. He's watching Selena <laughs> Gomez music videos on TV. And it's that, the funniest part of that thing is uh, it's, it's just the like, – I can't forget the song. It's like, when you're ready, come and get it, that Selena Gomez one. <laughs> so it's slowly panning as you have that going on over to him just sitting intently on the bed watching <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. little Chinese uh, hotel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I assume awesome. that that didn't make it to the, uh, the Oliver Stone rendition. Oh. Once Oliver Stone, that's like the post credit scene. <laughs> like after all the stuff has gone down, it's him in the hotel. Listen, this is Selena. Well, yeah. It, I guess you see, I, I felt like there was a dissonance in that documentary between this highbrow uppity uh, tech snob and this guy who likes Selena Gomez and 
young adult conspiracy novels. Mm. It seemed like there was something weird there. And I don't know if that was intentional on the filmmaker's part or what. Although Oliver Stone tends to not have... Lately, Oliver Stone tends to not have any of those interesting complexities. I don't know if I've watched any Oliver Stone. Any at all? Did you see uh, JFK, Natural Born Killers? Oh, I've seen Natural Born Killers, I guess. I forget about that. That was... Not that's I, not I, the Oliver Stone you have today. Yeah, I, would no, say. I guess that's why I didn't think about that. Like, <laughs> and it was a different Stone. I can't even remember. I know he. Well, he made that George W. Bush movie that everyone was W W. I didn't watch that. I've seen it's just the same kind of. Pictures. It's just like very vanilla. You're like there's. Yeah. It's like he he kind of knows when he's onto something that is a controversial, and interesting subject, but he just completely waters it down. Yeah. <laughs> so I I feel like Snowden's not any different. I'll, all five of these are just the most blur movies. Uh, is, what's what's at number six? Six is Blair Witch. That's the most Blair interesting Witch. one we've come across so far. What did Blair Witch get? Uh, three point nine million. See, that's low too. That's really low. I know for for yeah. a found footage movie. Yeah, that's not very good. You know what? I saw it. What was that? Like two or three days ago. And yeah. I thought it's okay. Like it's. I'd say it's, it's not the it's, most. It's, it's better. Than, it's better than like the last like two or three whatever paranormal activities. You know, like it's, it's probably better than the last like four paranormal activities. It has like an interesting subtle twist that they don't like yell it in your face, and that's kind of nice. Okay. I, that I think it points for me from that because anytime like there's stuff that's not really like. You know, like in horror movies, they like to like cram stuff down your throat. It's oh, look, it's this. You know, and then, like, yeah, horror genre is not a, a like, subtle genre for the most part. There's a good movie in there somehow, but it started. It started off as a uh, a different film, didn't it? It's, I, I my understanding is that they hid it, so they they didn't tell anybody it was a Blair Witch movie, and they called oh, it The Woods for a long okay. time. I thought it just they actually started off making a different movie, and they're like, oh, we're just gonna make this a Blair Witch one. Like, you know what I mean? I can I like see that them doing more. Like, I, I, that's what I thought I was reading, I guess. But yeah, like there's some stuff that like just doesn't seem to fit in there at all. So I figured that might have been why. So you thought it was like a studio buys it and they're like, "Yeah, yeah we kind of like this, it. This is gonna be Blair Witch now." But what if it was? Uh, we're gonna Blair Witch this now. You said that made four million. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, four million production budget is only five. Oh, sixteen. I think this might what I might have pulled. Oh, it's not new this week. It came out last week. That's oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like wait yeah, a second. Like it's, it's made sixteen million. That's not bad for for a five million dollar budget. That's yeah. not bad. But you know they spend a lot on marketing for those things. So that's not bad. I think the main thing, though, is if you look at the Blair Witch series, <laughs> you see that first one made so much money. Uh, it made, oh, yeah. I mean, oh. It, oh, that's what that is. Okay. It made, what was it? Wow, 140 million worldwide, 248 million. Huh. And I, th- I mean, they spent 60,000 making this. And even Blair Witch 2, I didn't 15 know that million, happened. that made 47. I never saw that. I know everyone hates it, but uh, yeah, I don't but really know much about it. Yeah, to go from that, though, to $5 million and then... Basically, I think it's just... It's another shrug. I think we have seen six shrugs yeah. in a row where people are just like, eh. That was like the only shrug. I was like, well, I'll pay to see that shrug. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's an, that's it, was an it was an okay shrug. You know what I mean? I, I, my weird, the weird thing I noticed is I feel like they jumped the gun. Like, I think if they waited like another month, they'd get that Halloween audience. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't I know think why they, they released it in September. Like, that seems so just dumb to me. My guess is they thought that it would be popular enough that it would stick around for a month oh, and they'd still be making Halloween money all It's all definitely October. like a Halloween movie. It's something you'd go see on Halloween or whatever like that weekend if you want to go see it. Because there's probably nothing else coming out on Halloween. No, probably not. I feel like for the last couple of years there's not even a horror movie out on uh-huh. Halloween. So, uh, okay. Speaking of horror movies, uh, Don't Breathe is $3.8 million. And that one, to my knowledge, has done really well. I think it came out. I've heard it was good, but I haven't seen it. I've been meaning to go see it. I just haven't. Did you see that? Uh, did you see the, what was it, the Evil Dead remake? Yes, I did. It's okay. I, it was I, gross. Yeah, <laughs> it was I'm very gonna, gross. But so was, uh, you know, sort of the originals, I guess. They just kind of. 
Well, they made it like not as silly gross sometimes. I think that like first one is unsettling gross. Yeah. And the second one is like kind second of funny one's like gross. like paper cut gross. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's a darkness is really gross. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, I don't like that. And the Evil Dead remake, though, I just remember I was squirming a little bit. I was like, this is disturbing. I think you were supposed to squirm, though. Yeah. Like when that one guy's getting hit. It just wasn't like, that pleasant, though. He's got though. the nail gun going. That poor guy just gets yeah. so beat up throughout the movie. That's <laughs> so funny. He does not get thrown into three different bookshelves, unfortunately. Nor does he get stuck in any of the ones he gets thrown into. <laughs> But Don't oh, Breathe man. by Fede, uh, Fede Alvarez. <laughs> Fede Wap. <laughs> well, no, so same guy who directed the Evil Dead remake. And yeah. I know people really like this movie. <clears throat> I haven't seen it. I just, I feel like I'm going to get grossed out if I go to it. I heard it gets really weird at one point. Like, you know, like it starts getting weirder and weirder. Okay. So, I mean, like, you know, weirder than you probably think. Yeah. Just, and they spent just under $10 million and they've made $120 oh, they million off this thing. So, wow. I they believe that's outgrossed uh, Evil Dead, the remake. Probably. So that's interesting. That's impressive that your original horror movie outgrosses an Evil Dead remake. Mm. Props for that. I think that's that's impressive. Okay. Yeah, to get to that point because people don't really care about these original movies. No, even though we have actually quite a lot of them on here. Kind of. Well, we got yeah. Storks, Sully, and the, Snowden. The Snowden count as an original story, though? He didn't come up with that. That was just kind of like what happened. Yeah. Well, I guess Sully doesn't either. Boy, Witch is in, yeah, Sully. And Storks is a kid's movie, so, okay, fine. We don't really have that yeah. movie. Don't Breathe. Suicide is- Squad comes in next in number eight. Is that still out? 3.1, but yeah, it's still out. That's so, made a lot of money, though, hasn't it? Oh, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it's it's weird how much money it made, even though everyone like hated it. Well, that seems to be a new thing, though. Like, I feel like people didn't like people hated uh, uh, even the poster's annoying. <laughs> like, you pulled it up, I'm just like, no. People didn't like Avengers two, and the, everybody saw it. I thought people liked the second Avengers. I didn't like it. But I thought everyone else did. No, oh, I thought people. I, I think everyone just assumes I think I everyone just else likes these, and then they go. <laughs> <laughs> but this Suicide Squad made a lot of money. Seven hundred thirty-one yeah. million dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Because they uh, they greenlighted a Margot Robbie sequel, spinoff sequel. Yeah. Spin-off Did you see this one? Sequel. I can't remember. Yeah, I saw it. It was definitely not worth it. Yeah, it I was, mean, it was like painfully bad. Like. You get there's something weird because I feel like everyone hates these uh, DC movies now because you got the DC extended universe, but they make a lot of money. Like no one liked Batman versus Superman. I think they're all just like okay is the problem. Like there's just nothing great about them. But they're not. That's Marvel's whole business plan. They're not like awful. It's like well, Suicide Squad I'd say was awful, but I mean like Batman versus Superman like it's okay. Like you know it's like I've definitely seen a lot worse movies. I'd say it was better than uh, Civil War. Okay, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> but that's not saying much. No, not at all. But no one really liked that, and it got $873 million. No one really liked Suicide Squad, it got $731 million. <laughs> Man of Steel, $668 million. I think okay. everyone was expecting more from that one. But yeah. somehow, I don't know, they, I think they're not quite as successful as Marvel, but somehow they've been able to crack into that same <laughs> weird, like, everyone will go see this regardless of whether people like it. I think it's just familiarity at this point. Familiarity. Yeah, I don't even want to talk familiar. <laughs> they know what it is. They do. They know who the Batman is, and they're like, "Well, I'll go see that." That's Batman. Because I mean, Batman wasn't Suicide Squad. Yeah, he like shows up for like two seconds, and you got the Jared Leto Joker crap. Yeah. So I'm. You know, I don't even think there's anything more to say about that. What do we? What's this next one? I don't even know. What this I is. don't know. I was hoping you'd know. When, so the, you bow were, when the bow breaks, there's a bow that broke, and it, they got two and a half million dollars for it. So it couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> Uh, when the bow breaks. When the bow breaks. How the bow breaks? 
how the bow breaks. <laughs> no, it's where the how breaks. <laughs> where and when the how breaks. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, look this up because I yeah I really don't know what this movie is. Yeah, it's gonna be for both of us. If my it's gonna be really slow, so it might yeah. it might it may not might not. Ever we didn't blow. quite do our homework for this one segment. Well, was, I didn't know there was gonna be one either. That I no, I mean you know, I assumed you know. Like I thought you just knew what all these were. Young and young professional and successful John and Laura. Taylor desperately want to have a baby but are unable to conceive. After exhausting all, the ro- all other options, the couple hire Anna, a beautiful young woman who agrees to become a surrogate mother for the Taylors. Everything seems fine until... Dot, 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 dot. Ooh, it's got a nice 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. 6%? Oh, That's my God. That's fantastic. Oh, I should have put the uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores in here, too. That'd be fun. We'll know too. that for next week. We'll okay, get those yeah, on yeah. there. We're, we're constantly evolving. When the bow breaks. Apparently, so, it's really bad. Apparently, it's Number made twenty six million though. Hey. That's not bad for a movie that no one likes at all. Yeah, either. not bad for six percent. I feel like that's if there's a theme to the box office for this week, it's Low this isn't this isn't bad for a movie no one likes. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think it's just that those are the only movies out. Like it's just you know, no one nothing, likes anything. There's nothing else out to see. And so I have movies that aren't even that good end up in the top ten. We're in that that I don't know that drought of movies yeah, of the year much. where I just don't see very much. So I mean yeah, ten million, six percent on Rotten Tomatoes makes twenty six million. Not too bad. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Uh, number ten is another kids movie, Kubo and the Two Strings. One point one million. See, so, yeah, that's interesting million. too. That's, yeah, that's probably. Like, yeah. I'm surprised that made it on there because that's a foreign one, isn't it? Yeah. So. I think so. Interesting. It looks Disney though. Like it looks like a Disney kids movie type. Disney E. Yeah, Disney esque. Disney esque. Uh, but yeah, that's our top ten. No, not nothing too exciting. That's, can you run through them one more time just for yeah. people, real quick? Number one, Magnificent Seven. Number two, Storks. Three goes to Sully. Four is Bridget Jones's Baby. Five, Mr. Snowden. Uh, Mr. Snowden. <laughs> Mr. Snowden. Uh, number six, once again, Blair Witch. Number seven goes to Don't Breathe. Eight, Suicide Squad. Nine, When the Bow Breaks. And ten, Kubo and the Two Strings. So, yeah, that's an interesting list. I hope that we get some uh, movies that people want to see. Going interesting forward. variety, kind of you know, kids <laughs> movies, westerns. Don't breathe. Is there which sequel? I'm the one. That's the one I'm most proud of. I think on there. Okay. Don't breathe. Being an original yeah. horror movie, making some money. Mm-hmm. So to, to transition a little bit to interesting headlines in the news, I find it interesting that we have this trend of movies. Or actually, of TV projects. Well, I guess I guess my question before I even get into that is: Yeah, does Netflix count as TV or does it count as movie? I think it counts as TV. I lean towards that as well. I don't know I mean, why. I think if you're watching TV on Netflix, it's still TV. Well, but I mean, like, if if is a made for Netflix movie the equivalent of like a made for TV movie? Doesn't matter. <laughs> We're in an age where <laughs> you're right. I mean, yeah, in a way. I mean, I think it's just a. I think at that point, it's just a movie. <laughs> well, but they have. I, I've had problems with in the past. Even just their formatting seems to emulate a movie. Like they have those cheesy, like they fade on Netflix and original. Oh, Netflix, you know, original the shows, even just yeah. well, even the movies. Like oh, okay, I, some of them, not all of them. But it's interesting that you see these streaming formats are trying really hard to get filmmakers to move over, and so they've got. Christopher Guest has mascots coming out in a couple weeks. Yes. And I saw a trailer for it across my whole screen yesterday. We'll talk about it in a second here. So we got that. And then also interesting, like Joe Swanberg just did a Netflix show called Easy. Uh, which, Joe Swanberg? I didn't know that. That's Joe Swanberg. It's Is pretty good. Watching? Yeah, okay. I, I liked it. I watched Flaked, but it's not that great. I don't even know what that is. It was a, it's another Netflix original. It's got a, uh, Will Arnett. Oh, and yeah. like I don't know, I don't know. You don't know I, I don't, well, the problem is like I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. Like it seems like it's kind of funny sometimes, but not really. And other times it seems kind of serious. But it's like it's like a guy who works at like a rehab type thing, but like not like 
more of just like an AA meeting type of rager kind of thing, but it's right. Will Arnett, and it's like, I don't know. It's strange. I haven't like formed a solid opinion on it yet, but I've, been, okay. I've watched like the first three episodes, and I'm just like, well, huh. we'll check back in yeah, when, we'll, when you've watched a little right. <laughs> So, but no, you got that, and then uh, the one that I'm most excited for, I think next week, actually, it's the Woody Allen and Amazon show. Called Crisis in Six Scenes. Oh yeah, which I forgot about that. that looks funny. I forgot that was happening. Uh, I'm, I I'm figured it was already out or something. No, soon, soon. Oh man! But it's this it's this trend where you have you're luring these independent, successful independent filmmakers to essentially the streaming format, and I would guess that they're probably getting paid a lot more. Oh yeah, probably to do them there. And I don't know why exactly. I guess I'm curious what makes that an interesting trend to begin with. What I mean, what why why do they want to? I think Netflix is a pretty solid. Why can they not make money doing movies though? Why do they have to go to Netflix? Well, with Netflix, you have pretty much like guaranteed subscribers. Like they, you get paid whether your movie like not you get paid, but you know what I mean. Like they get paid whether your movie is watched or not. So, I mean, but they know that the movie's going to get watched. But no one's going to get rid of their Netflix because there's one movie on there they don't like. Kind of that's true. So, I mean, they can afford to just, you know, throw anything, it's, anything up there. Isn't it depressing, though, to think that Christopher Guest is probably going to have a lot more people watch this movie simply because it was paid for and uh, is premiering on Netflix no, than I if he just had it? I think it's good it's that he's going to make a lot of money. I know it sucks that it's like the, but I know it's Netflix, sucks. though. I know it it's sucks that it's, right. it's not coming to a theater, but I mean... Still, I mean, they've been showing some of their Netflix, or it was that was Amazon, I guess, has been playing those in actual theaters because Neon Demon was at yeah. like theaters. I thought Netflix was doing the same thing. Amazon has a, I believe it's ninety <laughs> days in theaters that they guarantee okay. when they sign up to. See, I can see them maybe doing something like that eventually. But well, I think we're maybe. seeing the end of theaters start. Oh I no, think, it's not going to happen. Like I that. think we're, it's well, it's the end of interesting movies in theaters mm-hmm. is already kind of on the way. At least there are still interesting movies though. Yeah, it's kind of it's that's an, the important, it's an unfortunate right. trade-off. You're right. that we, we'll get more interesting stuff, but it's not going to be in the silver screen. Did you watch the trailer for Mascots? No, like it was just kind of it was like forced upon me when I signed into my Netflix. Like it was like that top banner, and it's like you might like this trailer, and then I just kind of scrolled down. It, but mean, I knew what it was. Like, I have to. Say, I will definitely watch it. It doesn't look that great from the five seconds no, I saw it in the trailer. It looks. It looks like exactly. It looks like a, a stereotypical. Joke about what a Christopher Guest movie might yeah. be. As the vibe to, I got was that it's best in show, but the people are the dogs. And it's like <laughs> that's a phenomenal. <laughs> like that's, that's the vibe I get from that's it. That's fantastic. Like it's, you know, it's the mascot competition. And they're, 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 people it's, they're, are the they're, dogs. They're, people are the dogs. Like it's just. Like, <laughs> I don't think I could have described it. <laughs> I would have talked for tw- 10 minutes. For 20 minutes. 20 minutes. I never would have got anything as good as that. I'm going to leave it there. Okay. Uh, I agree nice. with the you. the story you meant to talk about. The story that interests me is I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by when creative partnerships dissolve and what exactly okay. makes them do that. Like this year we've seen some interesting ones. Partially, one of them is Christopher Guest because he used to co-write with Eugene Levy. And they did all of their mockumentaries – Except for Spinal Tap, he wrote them with Eugene Levy, starting with Family Tree, and then now Mascots, he's written them with Jim Pittick instead, <laughs> and Eugene Levy has not been a part of them at all. And so presumably there's some falling out, or just creatively they parted ways. They broke up. Eugene Levy has other, you know, uh, he's, American he's Pie secrets right now, to go yeah. make or something, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the other ones that interest me, like I'm, I'm always trying to like learn about... Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson and how they wrote together yeah. because poor Owen Wilson even movie choices recently like, he chooses them well then uh, Luke Wilson even has said uh, Luke Wilson said that he's like I don't I never see Wes and Owen you know like 
creatively work together. Oh, uh, they don't hang out anymore. Even, this was even back in like Royal Tenenbaums when they were actually writing the movies together. <laughs> He's like, I don't really know what their process. I never see them. Weird. So I'm curious. And they don't work together in terms of writers anymore. Obviously, uh, well, Owen Wilson pops up in the movies still. <laughs> uh, you saw Ricky Gervais had the David Brent movie, the Office character come out without Stephen Merchant yeah, involved at all. That's weird. They clearly had a falling out. How badly did that go? Um, it's going to premiere on Netflix everywhere outside of the UK. Oh, I thought it already came out. It came out in the UK. Oh. And it sounds like it didn't do spectacularly. Did it surprise me? No, because it didn't. Yeah, it's just Ricky Gervais is not. I think everyone's kind of uh, bored of him a little bit. No offense to him. He's gotten worse. He, he was at his best working with Stephen Merchant, though. Yeah. And so this is part of my whole thing. The, the, what I've just mapped out are interesting, uh, I would say successful creative partnerships. Mm-hmm. Creatively... Uh, Commercially successful, you have you cannot deny that uh, Roberto Orsi and uh, Alex Kurtzman are ridiculously successful uh, commercially. Definitely not creatively, though. They're behind uh, the new Star Trek movies, the, t- the first two. Okay, not they the wrote one. the first two uh, Transformers movies. They get basically all the terrible, trashy movies yeah. that are really successful tend to be theirs and they've done a lot of uh, TV lately and so huh. the interesting story with them is so they used to write basically all these movies together so okay. they would write every every like <laughs> every like crappy writing gig that was going to be a successful movie even though it was, was bad the... was going to be a Kurtzman Orsi okay. and so the they sort of split up a few years ago where Kurtzman signed on to direct a mummy movie for Universal because Universal's launching um its own, I don't know, monster expanded universe. It's whatever stupid With the thing. Mummy? It's, it's going to be like. Is Brendan mum- Fraser going to be in it? <laughs> no, it's a new mummy. Tom Cruise stars in it, so. That's I mean, if you have to replace, you're on board. Yeah, I'm okay with this. What? I, I, I was watching Eyes Wide Shut last night. So that's like, a good one. Yes, I know. Yeah. So well, I mean, he's good. Like, okay, I can see that. I would say the Eyes Wide Shut, uh, Magnolia, and Tropic Thunder are the only three <laughs> Tom Cruise roles that I really role. like. It's so great. But, but uh, anyway, so Kurtzman signs on to direct that without uh, Orsi's involvement. Okay, I'll go see it. And so, well, so that's happening, and then at the same time. Uh, they needed a new director for Star Trek Three because J.J. Uh, was doing Star Wars Seven. So we got James Wan, of course. Before there wasn't no, it wasn't James Wan. It was uh, Justin Lin. Oh, sorry. Uh, and then uh, racist. Jeez, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, and, uh, so basically, J.J. was like, "Hey, my buddy Bob Orky can do it." Oh, okay. And, well, yeah, that's <laughs> so my joke. About that, I would say. Uh, so he actually does get the gig. To okay. write and direct Star Trek Three, and they were on an, an expedited schedule to try to get uh, to get it out really quick so they get could get it out this faster. year. Yeah. And then something 